On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, we are talking hockey. Yes, it's our first episode talking Blackhawks hockey between Corey Crawford and Brandon Sow. We got a whole lot of thoughts on what the Hawks are doing on the West Side, and then we jump into some Bears talk and we react to our awesome interview with former Bears head coach Dave Wanstead and get um, mine and Dan's reaction on all the news and nuggets that uh, we learned from Coach Wani. All that and more coming up now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, your number one home for professionals. I'm Dan Collins, and you can find me on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. The man on the other side of the Skype, he's Joey Gelman. You could find him on Twitter at Joey Gelman. And if you want to listen to the show wherever, 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 whenever, I should say, Joey, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever the heck you get your podcast. The last time you tuned into the show, you heard a very great interview between us and former Bears coach and football expert Dave Wanstead. Uh, Joey and I are going to touch on our our thoughts um, with that interview and a lot of the insight that uh, Wanstead gave us. Uh, but before that, it is the first time ever Joey and I get to talk hockey, Black Hawks hockey, as there was a little bit of news the past couple days. Corey Crawford, um, great goaltender, you know, just not apparently going to be returning to the team. He's actually going to be out on the East Coast over in New Jersey, um, as that was a done deal less than 50 hours after the Blackhawks announced that he was not going to be back with the club over there on the west side of Chicago, uh, Madison and Damon. And Brandon Saad traded away. A little bit to unpack here. Uh, and Joey, first things first, one of the things that come to mind is we're in the day of memes, crazy social media. You got the Instagrams, you got the Twitters, you got the talk ticks, the TikToks, whatever you want to call it, tick, 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 tock. And I don't know if you if you've seen the recent one lately of the this is how it started and this is where we're at. Or, <laughs> yes, I, I have. Oh, yeah, what is yeah. It? yeah, that's basically what it is. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you're listening to this show and you know how to get to a podcast, I'm pretty sure you either a know what I'm talking about or b could figure out what I'm talking about. Yeah, but about. you just called it a tic tac talk. Are you like 95 years old, so I don't know where you stand on these on these tick, issues. Tick tock. You know, it's one of the social media plat whatever gidget gadgets that I don't have. <laughs> when I was when I was a little younger back in high school or even pre no, it was high school days for me, MySpace, which was red hot, which if I knew you back in high school, Joey, you'd be right there on the top's friends list. Oh, you remember thank that? you. <laughs> when you got to show the whole public who was your best friend or who were your top five friends. And I'd be with my with my poofy hair and turquoise braces, I would have looked beautiful as your top friend. Or you could be nice and be one of – if you knew how to code as well, you could just hide who your top friends were <laughs> because you loved everybody equally. Of course. But anyways, enough of that. Uh, it makes me think this whole Blackhawk situation is you go all the way back to 2010 and the raising of the Stanley Cup and the beginning of a dynasty. I'm calling it a dynasty. They Absolutely won three is. cups during that period. Yes, exactly. And that's how it started. And this template – 2010 to 2020 – you add a decade to it. This is where we're at now, where I directly in front of me on my laptop, I'll be completely transparent, have the Blackhawks depth chart pulled up 
I'm looking at the names. Yes, a lot, you know, that, that I'm familiar with. You know, I will say that. I, I, you know, I still watch Blackhawks hockey on a frequent enough basis. Not my favorite sport. I think a lot of people will say that. I mean, during the glory days of Blackhawks hockey, if you rewind a decade ago, it was a Blackhawks town, right? Apparently, everybody was a hockey fan. And there was probably a lot of bandwagoners and things along the way. But the Blackhawks did great things for Chicago sports. If you rewind the clock 10, 10 years ago and, you know, even even push forward to that dynasty run they had. But the thing is, wow, we're losing a lot of the names, Joey, that we started with. We, we try to cling on to them so much, right? And as I'm looking down the line, we have an 88 Patrick Kane. I know him. You know, we, we have an Andrew Shaw, a captain, Jonathan Taves. And that's kind of about it. A Brent Seabrook who's still there but on his last legs, unfortunately. A Duncan Keith and... <laughs> They're all gone, Joey. They're all gone. Anyone who was part of one of those cups, they're all leaving us. And I think that the biggest part of this news is the writings on the wall, even though the team has not come out and say it completely slash confirm it that we're in this rebuild era with the Blackhawks. But it's there. Like I said, the writings on the wall. That's where we're at, right, Joey? This this is rebuild time. We're, we're starting this thing all over again, even though there are a few of those big-name players, probably Taze and Kane, the top, that are still here. But what we're doing is now finally rebuilding a decade later. Am I right? Am I wrong? What do you think? I think you're right. I just don't know oh, if thanks. The, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I just don't know if the players are on board with us being right about it. I think breakups are hard, and... This is a this is a tough one for Hawks fans. Whether it's Crawford, and then you, you, you'll go down the list in the next few years, see what happens. But there there's a reality of you, like you said, you had a, a decade plus of making the playoffs every year, long long playoff runs, three cup championships, and that's a lot. And you and as a fan, you invest everything into that. I mean, what they did to this city for a decade when the other teams kind of weren't that good, and from where they were in the basement of hell, it, <laughs> it, it, it was incredible what they did to this city. And, and now you're at a point that every franchise gets where you have to start planning towards the future. And everyone has to be on the same page about that. And I think it's, it's, it's hard when, as a fan, you've invested so much in learning about this team and embracing this team. And also, when you have... The four guys you mentioned in Kane, Taves, Teeth. <laughs> let's say that ten times fast. Kane, he lost a few of those. He did lose a few teeth. <laughs> in his career, yeah. Kane, Taves, Keith, and Seabrook uh, that are on the other side of 30 now. And you forget that when you saw them starting to play at 18, 19 years old. And so there's a reality here of this team's on that other side of that. And I don't know if this last playoff run, as fun as it was, kind of blinded people to that, but... This is this is it now. That 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 run is probably over and it's it's the overhaul time and I just don't want to see anything get ugly. And I hope Bowman if he sees it through or whomever that may be uh does it the right way and from what I've read so far about these trades it doesn't really seem like that, and that concerns me as, as a reputation for a franchise, whether it's Crawford and Saad now now gone from, from these these Hawks teams. Man, just a couple shows ago, it was, it was the one right before our you know our latest Dave Wonset interview, right? We were doing the reminiscing 
about Jimmy Butler in that Bulls era, right? And this show just naturally right now, as I, as I stated, it takes you right back down memory lane. And you're right. Wow. I mean, you go back to the beginning of this dynasty and these boys ruled the town. They ruled the city, right? With their championship parades and, you know, them coming before the Cubs in 2016 when they brought a championship parade to this town. And you're right. It's just, you know, I look at how it all went down. And at the end of the day, anytime you could call a period of hockey, baseball, you know, whatever you name it, a, a, a dynasty era, 100% a success, right? I mean, we, we talked about. We talked about the Cubs a couple shows ago, and even if they're falling apart now, and you don't know what's going to happen with the Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, you know, situation, and who might go, who might stay, that still might be all worthwhile because they won the one, and even if it's only the one, it's worthwhile. So it goes without saying, the Blackhawks run that they had starting a decade ago, magnificent. But I'm starting to think because they were reaping all the glory all the benefits of Stanley Cup 1, Stanley Cup 2, Stanley Cup 3, Stanley Cup opportunities in between those runs and those trophies that along the way do they make some real, real bad moves. For example, the Keith deal, the Seabrook deal. Like, Do they try hanging on to one too many players of that court too long? Like the biggest, biggest names, you know, like – the Keiths, the the Seabrooks. Like, look at the guys who are still here. You know, Keith Seabrook, Taze Kane, right? If you go all the way back and rewind the clock in, they made sure to hang on to them. You lost a lot of other guys in between. So many names, right? That it was the revolving door. And I wonder if that kind of hurts them now that they're that it almost feels like the last couple seasons they've been kind of trying to rebuild, kind of not. They never confirmed that they will. Then, like, with bringing Brandon Saad back before they obviously traded him again, it seems like that was almost like a Band-Aid move, right? Where it was like, oh, we're kind of fixing on the fly. Like, no, we're not rebuilding. What are you talking about? We're bringing Saad back, and we're going to make another cup run. And it almost got confusing there, right, when, when they did bring him back the first time. It's funny. Like, he's here. He's gone. Now he's now he's, you know, he's here. He's gone. He's back. He's gone. Whatever. But it's just, you look at how it all panned out, and 100%. A success, but just because something is a success and it had a great run doesn't mean that there weren't potential mistakes made along the way. And that also still doesn't mean that you're never going to bat a thousand, right? (laughs) Especially when you're talking about five, seven plus years. Like I don't expect any front office to bat a thousand to get everything right, but we're doing this podcast, we're talking about things, and credit where credit's due. One hell of a job during that era. But if you're going to give the credit, you also want to look back at potentially some of the mistakes that were made along the way, correct? Oh, yeah. Or am, I wrong, am I wrong for doing that? No, because it, it sets you up for where you are now. And I think we'll get into right. Crawford and what he means, but in, in my opinion, I, I think the biggest miss was the original Brandon Saad trade. And and I think out of all the craziness we've seen with this team, and the hockey salary cap is a joke, and, and you couldn't keep anyone throughout that whole 
tenure, and you had Dale Talon missing a contract deadline, and then Bowman comes in and does his own things, and it was a yeah. a chaotic decade plus, but you got the three. And you look at the Brandon Saad trade, and it's just, it's such a confusingly frustrating one, because you had a guy in Artemi Panarin that was elite, and still is elite, and had a phenomenal rapport with Patrick Kane. And they decided that, well, yes, this guy's phenomenal because, you know, we're losing Marion Hosa. Obviously, he had that odd skin condition that forced him to retire early with the jerseys, which I still that is a, a crazy yeah. story. But you thought you were getting the Brandon side you had as, as your first-time Stanley Cup winner. Uh, and... He never really turned out to be that same guy. Never filled that Hosa hole. And you sit here now, and there's kind of two narratives with it of you could argue, oh, well, they're trading away another piece of the core, and they're really stripping everything down. I think it's the reality of we missed on that trade, and we screwed up royally because where Artemi Panarin is here and Brandon Saad is here, and you're having to now trade him away for pieces that Maybe could work. You're thin on defense. You got two young defensemen. It may help you. But it's truly an admission of fault, an admission of a miss, an admission of a whiff on a guy you thought was your savior and could be your next Hosa and never became that. It's like exactly what you said at the start of the show. It's that loyalty complex. And the Hawks have a big thing of bringing their guys back, even though they lost them. Andrew Shaw, Christopher Steeg, Brandon Saad, and they were great in what they did for you, but they may not be that same guy when you get them back. And to do that to a fault hurt them. And I think you're seeing that now of sorry, this is my soapbox for this. But if 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 you're seeing it now and you go, yes, well the Hawks need a rebuild, of course. But if you have our Tammy Panarin in place, you have Patrick Kane in place and Taves, you have Kirby Doc, you have Alex DeBrinkit. You have Adam Boquist on. D- you 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 have these good young pieces here that could make this a little more palatable. To where now, I think it's getting, it, it it's going to get a little uglier because of that one move, and I think that expedited their downward trajectory more than people give it credit for. I think that tons of great points there. I love Joey on a soapbox. Get him back on there. Put him back on the soapbox with Blackhawks hockey. But no, I mean, I, I could I, go I, on a soapbox. I could do dynasty talk. I have another <laughs> whole point to go off of, but I'll let there, you oh, go man. first. Plenty of hockey to talk tonight, I guess. Um, no, I mean, yeah. One thing I totally gather from that, you know, when you're looking back at that sad trade and what he was be- before he left and then what he was when he came back and, you know, you, you bring up the loyalty aspects and everything. The thing that hits me the most with that, couple that with the current issue of saying bye to Crawford, saying bye to Sod again, is and Blackhawks fans might, especially the diehards, might hate me for for thinking this, but I think it's true. And if they take a deep breath after I make this comment, I think they know it's true. Is the next time the Chicago Blackhawks win a Stanley Cup, I can almost guarantee. Maybe one of the names on that cup will end in Caves, Tays, Keith, or Seabrook, right? Maybe one. Uh, I, with the, you know those those are the four, the main four that are still around. And a, yeah, maybe. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, I, I, the, unless they could rebuild this thing really quickly, but if anything, 
I feel we're at the point now where we're going to slope downward. Anytime you commit to a rebuild, which they haven't yet, you know, they haven't come out and say that is what they're doing. If not, <laughs> if, if in their head they're not rebuilding, then, oh boy, it really is going to be a very, very <laughs> downward slope. We see what they're doing. And anytime you go this direction as a team, you're going to get a little bit of a dive. Like you said, Joey, they're, they're already on the, that main that main core is already on this side of 30, which is not in terms of sports, the side you want to be on. I'm not calling them, you know, necessarily washed up roller. No, they still got plenty of great hockey in them. Right. Or, or good enough. The majority of those four. Right. You know, Seabrook, who knows? But, you know, Kane, Taze, Keith, and obviously there, there's plenty of good hockey to be played. Sure. How many of them will be around? come uh, uh, you know the next blackhawks stanley cup i don't know it's it's hard to win one of those right some people try to say it's the hardest trophy hardest championship in all of sports so that's why my thought process is where it is but i think a positive note to that is that's fine sometimes you do need to let go that started a decade ago and i know when it started out they were young. They were young lads, right? The, the majority of them. Not, not talking about Andrew Ladd. I'm just talking about the team as a whole. They were, they were young lads, right? And that's great. And they had a fantastic run. But sometimes to start over, you just need to let it go. I, I know breakups are hard, but the more guys you let go that are tied, you know, to, to one of those to one of those cups, the, the the easier it might be to just keep it keep it moving forward. Because because that's where we're at now. The, the overwhelming majority of any of those guys, you know, big stars or not, that were on any one of those championship winning teams, any one of those three three cups, are gone. The overwhelming majority. And that's where you're at now is build the next one. And the star, the two main stars you obviously still have are Kane and Taze. So whatever you are building, as long as they're here, is for sure still around them. But it is time to start taking a more forward look way down the road in the mirror and you probably have newer stars. Heck, I hope you have newer stars. I, I, the next time we win a cup, if the main star you have is either Kane or Taze, I don't know how much of a good thing that is. Even though Kane could go quite, quite some more years of being still stellar. Cause he's so damn good, but, but still you probably need a couple more new stars, right? To, to get you over that hump. Oh, of course. So, so that's what I take away from this is, Sucks to see a guy like Crow go. You know, he's on two championship teams. And, you know, Saad, he's gone again. <laughs> so that that just makes you think Yeah, someone's got to keep right. swapping these jerseys out for as many times as Saad comes and goes. <laughs> right. Maybe he'll be back. Who knows? Maybe he'll do like a one last victory yeah. lap. Yeah. You know, he'll win a cup and it'll all be great and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But whatever. Main takeaway, once again, that I have with it is, all right, just keep moving forward then. Just – Commit to commit to this yes. change and keep it moving. But I agree with you. But here's my one thing. Uh-oh. And <laughs> every other team in this city, all you want them to do is blow it up and rebuild. Whether it was the Bulls, the Cubs when they had to, the White Sox, and even the Blackhawks at some times, there was this idea of we have to just shred it down and build it up the right way and and most of the teams have tried to do that and the bulls hopefully will now with with their new regime i feel like with the blackhawks today it's very hard as a fan to accept that and i think it is because there haven't really been as many dynasties in this town for as much as we love the teams 
And the one I want to bring up, and I don't know if I'm nuts for doing this, but I want to compare it to the Bulls dynasty in the 90s, bringing you six championships to Chicago. And I think there was a really difficult time seeing that team break up. And it's why Jerry Krause is the villain in the documentary we all just watched, The Last Dance. And I think there's a similar sentiment here for Stan Bowman with the Hawks is you've had 13 years of a team that you've grown up with as a fan, whether you're, you were 10 years old or you were 40 years old. This was this Hawks team that you watched grow, become champions three times in that span. And now you're seeing the ugly reality that is sports is that you have to cut ties with your stars whenever it gets to that point. And I think it's getting really tough to accept that for people. And I think it depends on how you treat the player when it is time. If you're respectful about it and you're able to, to negotiate something that's good for the player and for the organization, that's commendable. And I think what Hawks fans have seen this past week and in the history of seeing a guy like Crawford only get one shot at a deal for a guy that's been with your organization since 2003, and you come to him and say, we're offering you a one-year deal at $3 million, that's it, or we walk. And it's like, what this guy's done for you, and that's what you're doing to him? That's not right. And, 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 or, or, or telling your players that we're not in a rebuild, we're ready to compete, and then make all the moves you did. And I'm not here to, you know, I, I know it's a business, I know there's hard decisions to be made, but there's some respect that these guys deserve for what they've done for this city, and I, I think it has to be reciprocated for management. And and I, I hope this just doesn't end really, really ugly, and I want them to rebuild this properly, respect their stars, because they do have some good young pieces they can, they can build a new core from. Agree that 100% seeing something, especially that's, dynast, that's a dynasty, you know, come to, even though... I mean, heck, the, this Blackhawks dynasty came to an end a few seasons ago. You know, you, you saw that in terms of this core winning another cup. I mean, maybe maybe there's fans out there who thought they could have won it, you know, a season or two ago. Maybe. But still, you knew it was still coming to a tail end. I don't know if it is. <laughs> well, I, I, I at least hope that it's not coming as ugly as that that Bulls era of the 90 that they made a whole freaking documentary about <laughs> unless there's some documentary that comes out 30 years from now that just gives all these ugly truths right about how this 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 is ending right now totally agree that still give a professional enough opportunity yeah is that the, the right way of saying it you know to these players as they exit out um sure that that's 100 the right thing to do but even let's just say the Blackhawks offered Crawford you know, a similarish deal that, that you know that he got with New Jersey or just something that that can maybe keep him there or that that you could still say maybe doesn't keep him there but was good enough you know in in the you know the consensus in the sporting world that it, it was respectable yeah. um or be upfront and be like we're rebuilding if you want to yeah. stay here and do this We'd love to have you. Otherwise, we want to give you the opportunity to go compete for an, your last Stanley Cup at 35. Yeah, but at least... Am I being too me, nice? <laughs> no, I mean, the the biggest difference between, though, if you want to compare, you know, that 90s Bulls era to this era in terms of the tail end of those eras is you might have a similar feeling of disappointment that it's all over, right? But... 
Blackhawks still have some. The, the biggest names are still there. The, the Taze and Kane, those are the biggest names. That's that's the Pippin Jordan, right? If you want to do the complete compare, they're still here. And not having Crawford come back and getting rid of Saad, it's not nearly as detrimental as as the way it ended with Kraus and everything in '98, right? Where hell, if you just maybe offer Jordan and a couple other guys the opportunity to come back, maybe they would have and. They can at least give 99 a run. So that's maybe where the biggest difference is where, man, you could have, like I said, there's a whole documentary on it on how ugly it got, right? And who knows? Maybe 20-plus years, 15, 20 years from now, we'll get another one here with the Blackhawks. But, no, I mean, you're right. The reality is, once again, just the theme of like, breakups are hard. You said it. You said it, you said it earlier. And we're, we're getting there. I think it's still weird. It doesn't feel like a complete breakup for two reasons. One, the team is yet to say that's 100% what they're doing. And two, you still have not only the two, but the four biggest names are still here. You add Keith and Seabrook to that mix with with, uh, with Taves and Kane, and they're still here. <laughs> and I don't know. I already said it. I don't know if the next time the Blackhawks host the Stanley Cup, if any of their names are on it, maybe a Kane, maybe a Taves are on it, maybe, but... I don't know how any more names, but like I said, Joey, when it comes down to it, just that's that's what I feel is is the biggest takeaway is we're taking steps forward, right? So yeah, absolutely. Speaking of taking steps forward, the Bears took a few steps forward. Well, they took one major step forward in terms of doing something as a franchise they've never ever done before, which is beating a man named Tom Brady who wears number twelve. So we finally did it, right? Five and one, five and one against the man, the myth, the legend. We can do it. It can be done. He just had to take a Patriots jersey off and and throw in a Bucks jersey. And Dave Wants had had plenty of good things uh, in our interview. If you missed it, go on ahead. Go, go, go check out the show. Believe in Chicago sports podcast. Go look at our list of episodes. Not a full episode. It's just a interview with Coach Wanstead, which we were lucky uh, and very fortunate to have him on hopefully uh, have him on again and we didn't have enough time to to break it down if you will we posted it just as an interview you know for your for your ear candy about 20 minutes or so a little under 20 minutes if you want to go check it out you should definitely go check it out if you haven't but joe i mean i just wanted to now now that we have the time and you know we could definitely talk beers later on in the week and you know break down their upcoming game and whatnot but i feel it's only right to go back and forth about maybe what we've learned especially now since it's been a couple days removed uh, of that interview and just kind of biggest takeaways we got for current state of the team and just what, you know, coach coach Wanstead um went ahead and broke down for us in terms of all things Bears football. Yeah. Uh I think I learned a lot about Matt Nagy. And I don't know if that was directly which we've what, been trying to do all right? season, all, <laughs> season plus already. So good. Which which I don't know is directly what what Wani was trying to explain cuz he did have rave reviews about him why the players love him and I I I believe that of course. But I, I think we learned a lot about how he approaches football and how he approaches a game. And the, the two examples I'll take away is one of, of what he talked about of what Nick Foles brings to the quarterback position that Mitch Trubisky did not. And all of it was awareness and understanding of, of, of what's going on in the football field and having the, the wherewithal to make those types of decisions. It had nothing to do with athleticism. And, and, and I think we're seeing what is most important to Nagy here is his system and running his system to perfection. And 
when you may have a better athlete in Mitch Trubisky, but you have a guy in Nick Foles that knows how to run the offense. He may not give you an elite play, but he knows what that second and third option may be. He knows what to do in the situation. He knows how to audible at the line, knowing what the defense is, is giving him. That's more important. And I think that was a, a really interesting takeaway to understand, okay, like he's they're really system-focused, and they're really football IQ-focused versus athleticism. The second one is about running the football. And I think Wani's point about him, him and Bill Parcells and that whole story about he was trying to hire an offensive coordinator, and they said, well, all these guys are going to tell you they're going to run the ball, but they're all lying to you. It's just it, like when I go to a job experience, and no matter what I apply <laughs> for, I tell you, yeah, I got experience. I got plenty of it. Dan's going to tell you he's got experience. Does he really? I love that. I love the ones that'll say, like, so let's say you look for like a, like a, like a media podcast job, and it goes, 15 years of experience. Yeah, I got that. But the industry didn't exist. How is it even possible? Don't worry, I have it. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious. But anyways, uh, and, and so it was the idea of running the ball and, and saying that coaches are going to tell you they, they're going to do it. They really don't like to do it. And if, and if they're forced to do it, it's ugly, and the players know that. And, and, and I think you're starting to get a bigger, fuller picture of what the Matt Nagy system is. And it's really focused on a really intelligent quarterback and that's the be all end all. And because the bears missed on that and Matt Nagy wasn't there to draft a quarterback, there's always going to be this disconnect there. And I'm fascinated to see if they can get through it. See, that's why we do a show together. We had basically identical takeaways. Hey, hey. (laughs) 100%. One thing that, and if we have him on the show again, I, I hope we do that I'm going to follow up and ask him. And of course it's if Nick Foles stays the course and does, does a good enough job to where you don't have to hopefully question whether or not Mitchell Trubisky is right to come back or not. But you know, part of me thinks that, yeah, it's the wherewithal. It's just knowing how to play the damn position. And it's, it's not a big knock. I want to put on Trubisky, but one of the biggest questions till this day, until he finds another team to play for, or maybe he does somehow stick around with the Bears in some weird way, but until he plays quarterback again, we still don't know how well or if he can play the position well. That is Mitch Trubisky. We don't know if he's a good quarterback or if he has enough awareness. If you if you had to mark the gray now, you say no, he doesn't have good enough awareness. He doesn't have good enough wherewithal. Nick Fall, Nick Foles, obviously, yes, he has more of that, just those instincts and knows how to be what we've been saying all podcast long, one after another, just that competence, right? And one of the follow-up questions that I would want to ask him is just so he could confirm it for you, Joey, is so this is it, right? Like this whole rest of the season, barring anything terrible, such as injuries or things like that, as long as the guy's healthy, this is his team, right? Like this is Nick Foles' team. There's there's no real scenario in which you could see him not being the guy, right? And then you turn that around to Joey's right, right? This Trubisky era is over. So that's kind of what hit me too because it almost just backs it up that Foles is the guy. This is what you got. Somebody who's fairly competent or is competent, I would say, and he could find you ways to win. 
you know, you always go back and forth. Do you win with him or do you win because of him? You don't necessarily win because of him, but he can still figure out ways to put you in those winning situations. He, he's proven it, you know, throughout his career that he's competent enough to do so. Give him a good game plan. He'll figure out and do his best to try to run it, especially if his back is up against the wall. That was a big takeaway. Another one, which <laughs> you're so right with the run game, and there's something I don't get. As a fan sitting on my couch, I could see that, sure, 100%, just as a spectator, the passing game is more exciting. And if I can have like a, a team that offensively is great with the pass or magnificent with the run, I'd, ra- I'd rather have the pass because it's so much more fun. But a professional, an NFL head coach, what is the reason? Like he said, so th- this is uh, you know you, you were going back you know o- over a decade ago now with you know Coach Wani talking about hey you, even when I landed my first job, you know Parcells is telling me they're all going to say they they believe in the run, but do they? So it's like, why not? Is it because it's not flashy enough? Is it because it's hard to commit to it because you need so many things to go right? You know, and you fast forward now to our, our current day that it's just easier in terms of offensive schemes because of, you know, penalties and everything else and the way the game has evolved to where it's a pass-friendly type of sport that you feel more confident in committing to the pass more often over the run. And, you know, I, I somewhat get that because it is a passing league now and the rules favor it. But what the hell is the thing with not being into the run, <laughs> Right? Really, what is it? Is it because it's not flashy? Is that really just it? It could be it, but I think it it's probably, I mean, I don't know the math, and it could probably be offensive efficiency, right? Like, I'm more likely to get 10 yards on a slant throw than three runs. I don't know the odds, but. Yeah. I mean, you could look into the efficiency, and maybe this is my homework. Okay, well, how efficient can you be? And if if you run, you know, that passway three times in a row to where maybe you could still pick up that seven or 10 if you run four in a row. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but but that still kind of plays into the part that it's more flashy, right? Not more flashy, but oh, it's just this belief of oh, we'll, we'll pick it up this way, we'll pick it up this way, just get in oh, the yeah. air. Yeah, you're get looking at the red zone channel for that, not for oh my god, Ezekiel Elliott ran the ball into the end zone. It's the dime pass from Russell Wilson for ninety yards. Yeah, and I wonder if because I mean it's just so obvious that. Matt Nagy, most, you know, he, he prefers the passing game. He really does. And I can be completely wrong about this. I'm just trying to find maybe some type of correlation. I'm, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not saying I believe it, but is there any reasons why sometimes, like, in terms of the run, that the O-line kind of lacks creating those holes and whatnot because Matt Nagy just isn't that dialed in on fixing that? I, I feel like I'm wrong, but you never know. Like, maybe there's some correlation there. If if he really, really wanted to try hard, like he went in this week and he said, you know what, 70 to 80% of what I do and what, I, and what I'm about to put into this week is going to be correcting the damn run, not necessarily creating a more balanced attack or an attack that's more on the side of the run. Just I'm going to focus so much damn effort and energy to fixing it. And maybe that's part of the problem is he wants to fix it and he'll put in some effort, but not enough. And I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just, I'm just trying to throw things at the wall and trying to find some kind of correlation. No, I I, I think he it's like when you asked Wani about it, it's the idea of he gets 
stuck if he's run the ball three times doesn't go anywhere and then wants to completely abandon it and and i didn't think of it that way that wani did where it's you just got to keep doing it even if you get nothing just for attempts to keep the defensive honest versus you know actually getting yardage but i i think he just gets stuck and, and i think there's actually a reality of i don't think this offensive line is that great and there's weird loyalty to a fault to charles leno jr and like bobby massey and and the james daniels injury really hurts them he's likely done for the year now so there's a, a a big question there too of is this group good enough to to block up front? I, I I don't know. They clearly haven't been for two weeks. So I I'll give them another shot, but it, they they really haven't shown me much because David Montgomery's good enough to find those holes if they're there. There's no question about it. Yeah, and I mean another thing too that I want to touch on before we wrap up is. It's something that almost any Bears fan who's watching this year is going to agree with. And you knew what the answer to the question was going to be. But I hate that we know that this is most likely the reality is that the way, you know, Lonnie phrased it, or I'll paraphrase it at least, is that we're only going to go as far as this defense could get us. Right. And he said, in a perfect world, sure. You hope that the offense improves and we start maybe even winning games because of the offense. But what we're looking at here. Even though Foles is showing that he's a better choice, it doesn't necessarily mean now our offense is fixed and we're going to go out there and we're going to look like the majority of the other offenses in the NFL. Like you said, you're, you're, you're on red zone and you're seeing this great play and that great play. And sure, all highlight reels are great. And that's that's all red zone is. It's just highlight of great plays or touchdowns. I get it. But that still kind of sucks is that, yeah, he's probably right, even though – you know, maybe we're a top five defense. Maybe we're not. We're a good defense. We're one. The Bears are a damn good defense, and that's great. But wow, another year of relying on the defense to potentially <laughs> get us into the playoffs or not. That's literally what I thought when he said that. I'm like, we're doing this again. Like, and he yeah, coached this damn team like that. How how many teams win the Super Bowl? Be more so because of their defense. What does it happen? One every seven to ten years yeah, that you know a defensive powerhouse wins. You know, you think of you know the Broncos team. You know, years back, and you go way back and rewind the clocks. You know, the John Gruden Bucks team, and yeah, the know, Ravens. It happens. And yeah, and even though the Bears made their Super Bowl like that in sure. in 05, 06. One, yeah, six or seven. One sorry. One of the Manning victories over Brady that was mostly because they had that powerful you know front four on defense, but still like. It doesn't happen that often. The majority of the teams that win the Lombardi Trophy are because they're offensive powerhouses, and that's it gets more so. It's more true year after year after year because it's more and more of an offensive league year after year after year. So if we're sitting here this season with the reality that we're only going to go as far as this defense takes us. <sighs> No, it, it's probably not all the way to the finish line where you want it to be, right, and competing for that Lombardi trophy. But it's where we're at, and it could bring us enough exciting football, hopefully, which, whatever, <laughs> fine, sure. I mean, that's cool, but uh, we'll take it one week at a time, right? That That's all we can, and, and maybe, just maybe, Foles will become just this Dynamite quarterback, and he's just going to turn it on. Dino, hopefully, but where we're at, you know, sitting here, four and one, 
right? Not now in the season for the Chicago Bears. And Which is a crazy thought, but yes. It's a crazy thought, but it's real. And we'll we'll see where this defense takes us the rest of the way. I like that. And on a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> was that po- was that technically a posi- positive note? I think note. so. I, I don't know if it was a positive tone. No, it was a positive, it was a positive note. note. <laughs> Got to work on our tone issues. Yeah, four and one, defense is good. And that's, I guess, what's going to carry you. So we'll see. Uh, that's going to do it for us today on the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast. Thank you guys again for listening. Please subscribe, rate, download, do whatever you do to all your rest of your podcasts. Give us some love on our end. Podcasting on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get them. He's at TweetDanCons on Twitter. I'm at Joey Gellman on Twitter. We have a Twitter feed for our show now. It's at Believe in Chicago. So make sure to give that a follow. We'll be pumping out our content there um, for all you guys to find on Twitter and everywhere else you want to find your greatest, bestest Chicago sports talk of the day. <laughs> Is that good, Dan? Is that a good a good sales pitch? Love it, 100%. And great tone. Oh, great thank tone. you. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> all right, let's wrap this puppy up. For Dan Collins, I'm Joey Gelman. We'll see you guys Thursday for a Bears preview when they take on the Panthers next Sunday. We'll catch you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.